you are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspirations shared by some of the most successful thought leaders in the Sydney tech market. I'm Michael and I help connect businesses with top tier tech talent and today I'm your host. Um, so welcome back to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by some of Sydney's leading thought leaders to discuss building and maintaining a high performance culture within the Sydney engineering industry. Um, before we dive into the topic, it would be great to meet our panelists. Um, Vinny, can you please kick us off? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is uh, Vinny Lawrence Woods. I'm the head of engineering at Prezi, the digital gift card givers. Um, I'm a self-taught engineer and I've worked in a number of industries across the globe. Since moving to Sydney from the UK in 2013, I've led teams at uh, Vodafone, Qantas and Atlassian before joining Prezi. I guess uh, my passion is people and I believe if you get the people part right, then the technology gets a whole lot easier. So high performance teams and cultures, in my experience, start with good people. Perfect. Amazing. Thanks, Vinny. Um, And Yoan, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. So my name is Johan Bernix. I'm a head of engineering at Playground Exquisite. Um, been in Australia for about 10 years, worked uh, mainly in um, advertising agency side before joining um, Project Land. Um, my passion, I suppose, in my job is really uh, scaling. So, you know, joining a startup and uh, scaling up team and maintaining really high performance through, uh, through scaling, which I believe is a really interesting challenge. Perfect. And Jacob, do you want to go next? Absolutely. Um, Jacob Richter, Head of Engineering at Propeller Aero. Um, my background's been in kind of startups for, for, for many, many years and, and kind of formed many startups. Uh, I guess my passion is around uh, creating environments and processes uh, where the development teams can be kind of as focused as possible. Um, and I guess as a result of that, you know, Again, one of my passions is kind of shipping fast and really kind of setting up the structure for that so they can be as high as the high performance as possible. Awesome. And certainly, uh, last and certainly not least, sorry, Kenny, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm uh, Kenny Sabir, Head of Engineering at AgriWeb. I've been here about six years. And uh, before that, uh, various R&D companies, uh, including uh, IBM for many years, uh, Bell Labs, Canon Research, um, I did a stint in uh, uh, medical research as well for a few years. Uh, but yeah, my passion is uh, getting the best out of people as well. Uh, so how do we uh, foster and uh, engage through the more than just computer science, but understanding STEM as well? How can we promote STEM across uh as a more valid career path i guess to get more people into it and yeah and and to show leadership as well thanks perfect well it's great to meet you all (laughs) again um so let's dive straight into our first topic which was introduced by kenny so there's two parts to this so the first part is how do you attract top talent and the second part is how do you compete with established engineering houses like google alassian and canva um kenny do you want to kick us off on this sure so as we're uh, all based in sydney uh like when you're working if you're working across the board like you understand how the, the large companies can operate and when you're a small company and especially as sydney's startup scene has been growing 
it's it's getting harder and harder to find uh, these people and at the same time uh, the large companies are, are are gobbling up all the engineers by the thousands now we have Atlassian, Google, Canva and so on. So how do we attract the top talent? How do, how do we actually get visible? That's my question. Perfect. Does anyone want to comment on that? Jump in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I go, I go, I go, um, I go, um, I think, I think any of them, the, the approach at least uh, I've seen working is basically really highlighting um, what do you think in a st small startup companies really highlighting the fact that the engineer will be engineer will be exposed to a much wider um, much wider uh, range of, of um, you know of, of solution and things to work to to work on and also really are involved in defining the process uh, when you're a small place. So you, 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 you basically pioneering in a, in a, in a small company and you're welcome to, you know, leave your mark in a way, uh, which I think a lot of um, senior engineers look for. And, um, and on the, and also um, it when possible, you know, really highlight what, what can't be found um, in, in, in those big places or what, what makes the difference in your, in your company. So, I don't know, dealing with, I don't know, we're getting a million requests per second or we, we're dealing with, you know, some really, some really specific uh, detail of the product that makes it unique. Um, I think it helps quite a bit get, um, get the, the top time through. Yeah, that's actually, I, I can see what you mean with that, especially trying to sort of find what's unique about, you know, your business and what you can contribute to that. Um, Jacob, I just saw, did you want to kind of lead on into that a little bit more? Yeah. Um... I guess following on from what Yon said, um, that's I guess how we position ourselves. Uh, us as a company, we're not the traditional kind of software software company here at Propeller. We do hardware as, as well as software, and we kind of bridge that gap, which I guess is pretty unique for the Sydney market. Um, and really, I think as as was already said, we lean in on the these are our very bespoke challenges. Um, I mean, some of those are more attractive than than other challenges. For instance, here we 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 like kind of blob storage and we store a lot of data um, and we're a relatively small team. And, and really we try and get people, I guess this is after the you know first contact point when they're first talking to us. But the thing that we really like to do here is get people talking to the team basically that they'll be working for as soon as possible. Um, particularly, uh, I guess, younger, not younger, but, but earlier startup people who joined Propeller recently earlier in the process. So they can kind of say firsthand how much they've been involved and how much they've grown and how much they've learned and things like that. And we, and we find that is, whilst not attracting people into the funnel, it definitely keeps people in the funnel you know, for longer, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really cool trust. You like that one. <laughs> and um, Vinny, sorry, did you want to uh, chip in on that as well? Yeah, I absolutely agree with what, what's being said. I think um, <clears throat> the market is particularly tough, more tough now since, since, since COVID. Uh, but I agree, I think, engineers care about what they're working on you know they care about what they're, they're doing and what the outcomes are going to be um but the real challenge is how do you get them through the door in the first place you can if you've got a clear vision that helps in the interview but it doesn't necessarily help them get here so what i've found is uh, especially prezi referrals has really helped you know as long as you live the vision that you've set i think then people will definitely talk friends into coming along so I think that that's a big advantage, especially in smaller companies, because I think people feel they, they can actually make a difference. Uh, and if you can say, we want you to be part of 
the decision making and we want you to drive our, our, our direction. Um, that, that's a fantastic thing, especially for engineers. They want to, like I said, they want to say, I did this. Yeah. yeah, referrals are definitely a big thing at the moment. If you've got them, it definitely helps out. Um, Kenny, sorry, did you want to elaborate a little bit more on that bit? Or? Yeah, just like um, getting them in that in the door as well. I guess because we're in ag tech, uh, maybe a lot of people in the computer science they're not thinking about ag tech as like an exciting thing. So we just have to like you know crack that first interview where we can actually just tell them we're actually working with satellite companies. We're analyzing how much feeds on matter. We're actually working with uh, carbon offsetting and you know understanding how to improve the environment and all that stuff. So if we can get to our spiel, we have a pretty good chance, but actually getting the people in the doors, like the, tr the tricky part, because people are like thinking, where do I want to work? Oh, there was these big companies in us in Sydney. And yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, especially when you've got those uh, big names out there. Um, Jacob, did you want to uh, I guess weigh in on that bit? Uh, yeah, like one, one thing we also do here, because I think we have the hardware side as well, um, and it kind of alludes to what you were saying, Kenny, regarding the STEM, the STEM kind of hat. We we have alternative funnels here for recruitment around mechanical engineers rather than just kind of pure pure software engineers. So most of our engineers here are actually mechanical engineers, and we find that's kind of an interesting market to tap into. Perfect. Um, well, this actually leads on to our next question, which I am quite keen to kind of dive straight into. Um, so this was actually put forward by Yone, which was how do you measure high performance and then how do you apply this to your hiring process? Um, Yone, do you want to expand a little bit more on this? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think the background of the questions is running a, running a few different teams um, there. Um, the like the way to assess performance seems to be really specific to the teams and what they're looking to achieve. So, um, you know, you, you will have the data team spending a lot of time in a, in a, in defining in defining and structuring rather than, you know, like deep, deep into code. And then you got like the platform team that's more into maintenance maintenance um, maintenance and um, and improvement. And um, and uh, what why while I'm we're trying while we're trying to apply when we are higher we're trying not to like put someone in a team from the get-go trying to you know give them the chance to um to see the the place before uh before assigning them was was fun a bit challenging to find you know those those kind of overarching criteria that define high high um, high performing people basically yeah it's almost like trying to get them into for the business rather than for a particular team is, is that what you mean with that Exactly, exactly. Where you you feel that anywhere they end up, they they can't they will they will add add up to the to the team uh, to the team performance basically. Yeah, very interesting. Does anyone, uh, Kenny, do you want to go next? I guess to expand on your experience with that. Yeah, sure. Where people fit, like that's an interesting question as well because, like sometimes, uh, you know, people can change over their career. Um, they they may not realize they love something because they haven't actually tried it uh and, and i think it's um it's changed in the last like 10 or so years with the advent of the full stack developers as well um so you know we made that a, a core thing um as we're building up our team is we're hiring a whole lot of full stack people so you know people naturally can gravitate towards the front end or back end 
but it, it allows us to give the flexibility that um, we can move people around really quickly. And we can say, oh, we just hired a young guy. He's uh, super smart. He's, he's saying he just wants to work on UI. We're sure, sure. Um, you'll be doing full stack, but uh, you got the mindset that you'll be like debugging uh, the backend stuff over time. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're happy for that to play out. Um, or we want to do a massive migration and we want to, to limit the time of that. So we just say, okay, uh, everyone, server-side everyone, just play in the front end for like, you know, three weeks and let's get this done uh, so we can get it out of the way. Um, so that that's one way of um, that we've been doing to find, uh, to give people the different experiences to see what they like. Um, and how we're, how we're measuring it, uh, you know, we, we've tried a different, different, things um, at the moment we've um, gone back to like a, some like organization level and uh, division level KPIs um, we definitely don't want to do anything at the individual level like uh, we want to deliver as a team we don't want to be um, checking people's number of comments and um, lines entered and so on uh, so you're yeah, finding the the right KPIs I think that's an iterative process um, you know, we're, we're trialing a few different things now. One of the examples is like, you know, weekly new support cases, um, some uh, particular performance metrics across uh, um, typical pages. And um, and just an easy one is code coverage, which the tools uh, spit out. Um, another interesting one is a technical debt as well as a dollar dollar value. So we can list out like all the technical items in a spreadsheet and like rank them with difficulty per week, uh, put a dollar value on what an engineer costs roughly, um, times it all together and say, okay, we got a million dollars of technical debt. We went down $30,000 this week, yay. Geez, those are some pretty big numbers that scared me just then. <laughs> um, Vinny, did you want to comment on that? Yeah, look, I think, um... Measuring is, is difficult and I think it's, it can also cause problems as well if you measure the wrong thing or send people in the wrong direction. Uh, I absolutely agree we should be measuring teams, not individuals, because I think that can cause all, all sorts of problems. Personally, I quite like OKRs in terms of setting outcomes um, rather than metrics, because you know, metrics can be skewed and played with and uh, all sorts of different things. but. Um, but I think giving everyone a shared goal, a shared cause, I think it is definitely a bit more motivating and I think easier to kind of measure that outcome. Yeah, definitely. Actually, Vinny, I want to go back to that. You meant you said mentioning or measuring individuals can sometimes go wrong. Um, to some of the listeners, you know, what are some of those things that could go wrong? Uh, I'll, I'll be in places where we're saying uh, we want to measure the amount of uh, commits or pull requests and. And it, it, what happens is people will just game it. it. It doesn't actually add to anything. It will just, you know, all right, yeah, having small commits can be a good thing, but, you know, but it, it can really take a focus away with what you're trying to do. Um, so it's it's just that you, you've just got to think, if you set a measurement like a metric, that's that's a direction people are going to move towards, and you've got to be really careful of what, what you're setting. And, you know, I've sat there when I've heard, you know, managers talk to their leads about some metrics that's come out of a tool and and they're thinking you're completely missing the point of what your your role is you know because we should be talking about engineering excellence not how many commits you've done it's 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 just a you know it some of these tools can be just actually uh, distracting rather than help things yeah 
Okay, and Jacob, I just saw you wanted to, I guess, weigh in on that one as well. Yeah, so how do we measure high performance here? It's quite varied, I would say, across our um, teams. We have teams that are, I would say, much lower level. Um, let's say, let's say, a hardware team in in our case, right? It takes twelve months or twenty four months to ship something to, you know, production and get it high manufacturer. So that's a very different challenge to some team that ships you know every week or every day or every hour code out to production um and exactly like Vinny said we we use okrs here um from a strategic level kind of established by the company and and we we operate across a few countries now and basically each department has then its goals that go into those you know enterprise level objectives and each team then can really buy into certain goals around that and what we've found is the team's where it's much more outcome-based around, I guess, the customer so that they can really measure the impact on those type of things. And those teams we find um, are, are the ones that are turning into the high-performance team. So they're the ones that are, are shipping more. They're the ones that are doing more customer cycles. They're the ones that are kind of iterating towards what we want to be as quickly as possible. Um, how, do we, how do we look for that in the hiring process? Again, it's very tricky because it's, because we have such a varied team here, different horses for different courses. Um, but really, I think the thing we look for is if somebody's worked in essentially fast-moving products before um, and and can demonstrate, I guess, the, the failures that they had. Um, because for us, it's like failures are good as long as you make them fast. Um, and I think that really comes out in interviews and you can kind of tell the character of someone when they can tell you all the times that they've failed and, and what they've learned. And that's what we use as kind of an indicator, leading indicator for that they'll be a good member in the teams. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. And how have you found, I guess, uh, the success of the hiring's changed since you've shifted that sort of failure, you know, getting people to, you know, admit and also, you know, own their failures as well, I guess, to some respect. Yeah, so so we we like the kind of the one team the one team model where we, we have uh, we have product representatives and we have design and, and we have engineers all on the same uh, team. And we actually found that that type of mentality of, of engineer uh, fits that model where they can kind of blur the lines a bit more. You know, they're much more into the, the product, they're much more into the design and they contribute to the conversations and things like that. And that just makes the team much, much better from my, from my perspective. Like it, it moves together as one unit rather rather than kind of an us versus them um, perspective. Okay, that's pretty interesting. And Kenny, sorry, did you want to comment on that? Oh yeah, just to clarify, yeah, we also use OKRs. We use a combination as well. So we have we have a KPI measurements just to see how their overall health is going. But yeah, each quarter um, we have the OKRs as well. And yeah, that's that's good just to keep us honest and just say, oh look, we're still at this low percentage for this particular OKR, and um, let's let's get that back on track. Perfect. Yeah, some really interesting points that actually I quite like some of the different strategies I've not heard of before. Um, and I guess sort of moving on to the next sort of topic which Jacob put forward. Um, so kind of pivoting a little bit more to sort of the maintaining side. Um, but how do you reward high performance um, for success or what incentive programs can you use for teams that are succeeding? Um, Jacob, do you have any, uh, I guess, experience or examples that you want to kind of demonstrate? Sure. Um really challenging topic i think and i'm not sure whether i've seen anybody like nail it because it's so bespoke depending on the individual and the company and things like that um but as i said here we have okrs 
uh, and we've tried many kind of methods on uh, rewarding OKRs. And some, some people don't need rewards. Like, I mean, customer satisfaction and business impact are enough, but it's still to get people on that journey and to get them kind of hooked on that, uh, we'd like to come up with one system. Last year, we, we trialed kind of end of quarter celebrations, right? If you, if you hit, hit OKRs, end of quarter celebrations. And we actually found that they weren't, they weren't, they didn't quite hit the mark we found um, because really what we're finding now is, I guess, not random, but like, you know, hey, here's a reward, unexpected rewards, right? Unexpected rewards have much more impact than a, than an end of quarter um, celebration. So yeah, I, I was just wondering, like looking into the new year for us in particular, where we're willing to spice up our life a bit around reward structures. And I was wondering uh, um, what experience you, you've all had with that. Yeah, actually, that's a very interesting question. Does anyone have any, I guess, sort of examples from their own backgrounds that they found have sort of worked or not worked as well to sort of share? Um, I, I think yeah, a few a few approaches. I think we um we are, we apply there, but um we've got something in place um at the moment in a previous place work for where you you have the peer recognition like a channel for peer recognition. Um, which which works quite which works quite well and uh, works really well with engineers at the moment, um, you know. But I, I think the, the trend changed a bit through years where you know, engineers used to be in the back room and um, not and quite separated from uh, from from the the rest of the company. And where it was going again. So you just you just mentioned before, you know, the one team around one dream really allowed to apply when not everybody um, gelled together. So I think the the, um, the peer recognition channel is 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 one that um, that you kind of give away to uh, to the the whole staff and uh, you know that through serendipity just works it works its way. So helps quite a bit. Um, then then and are quite practical, but you know just. Uh, lunch, lunch out, um, night out, and, uh, and just like a, a like dedicated budget for activities, whatever, whatever uh, that might be, um, work works quite well. Um, re really good feedback around that uh, when you when you're allowed out, obviously. Um, and then um, and then and then what we had in place, which is uh, like I think that the surprise effect is there is you know like just bonus incentive. Um, based on a uh, based on monthly uh, you know monthly uh, monthly revenues or, or ultimately if if you are really keen on on keeping the people on board just bringing up um, you know some some like employee options program uh, whatever you have in, um, in place um, uh, for for retention for retention I think the the ESOP the ESOP system is is really really uh, successful. Um, and then and then um, and then bonuses works work well. So I think a combination of of those um, really help. And then the, the big the big challenge obviously is trying to you know doing it across the like measuring the success across the whole company instead of individuals or small or small team specific, not to create any uh, you know any uh, rift between uh, between the teams. Yeah, some quite good examples then. I definitely uh, am an advocate for the going out once uh, <laughs> once the COVID restrictions <laughs> drop a little bit. Um, Vinny, did you want to comment on that from your perspective? Yeah, look, I think you know, it sounds like we've all uh, had the same challenges and, and the same same approaches. I mean, we've got a pretty good internal incentive peer recognition award thing, which works quite well. 
Um, and that's one thing that we had uh, here. Prezi is very big on their values and it's, we've got four really cool values and it's very front of uh, house everything what we do. And we had uh, Prezi Oscars Awards a little while ago uh, with the drag queen presenting on Zoom. It was very, very interesting, but it was a, so just a bit of difference, you know, trying to do that. But what, what I think one of the challenges I see, especially as teams grow, the actual successes get more and more frequent. And then it's how do you keep up with the successes and how do you keep, how do you keep, so all of a sudden you're doing a, a reward daily, you know what I mean? Because, which is a great problem to have, but it's, so, and like, I loved, and like the quarterly thing is great and team lunches are great, but with more remote teams, again, that's getting more and more of a, a challenge. Um, but, um, you know, one thing I've, I think I've have picked up on engineers over time, Great engineers actually love what they're working on. So if you're kind of, you've been working on stuff on something delivery for a while, and then you get the opportunity to play with some new tech or get some downtime or a bit of innovation time, that's a reward. That's actually getting them excited, you know, getting involved and learning a new skill and being kind of given a bit of time to breathe and, and think about something else. And we don't often think about incentives in that way, but I think, uh, you know, that's the, that keeping someone motivated is kind of a really good sign that 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 they're feeling recognised and rewarded. So that's something I really want to focus on. How do we give people that time to to be at the best? Yeah, that's really cool. So almost like using the work itself as a as a reward to actually get to try out new things and explore new areas. And I mean, how's that actually worked for you guys? Have you had a chance to really sort of implement that, or is it still in the testing? Uh, well, we did we did something very recently, like uh, we had a particular uh, team structure and we had very product-based teams and we had a particular problem to solve uh, with an internal product around um, some sets speech. And we just said, look, this is an opportunity. Uh, let's just make a really small team, three people. We pulled in Elasticsearch, the three engineers had never worked on it before. And it was kind of like, and actually it was before that, we actually went, this is the problem. What do you think? And they come up with Elasticsearch. Uh, and then, and we tried a couple of things out and, and they just killed it. Just, but you could just see the energy in that team, you know, and, um, and that's what we, we want to kind of do more of. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And, yeah. and Kenny, what, what's your perspective on this as well? Yeah, I agree with a lot of the points being said here. Um, we're in a similar approach, Vinny, where um, we have some days per quarter um, that we dedicate for people to uh, to do some learning. Um, and so this would be coming up in our like weekly or fortnightly one-on-ones where we're saying, hey, have you thought about um, what you're going to do for training this quarter? What's exciting you in technology? Uh, Someone might go, so some new iframe or something. Goes, okay, great. So let's find a course for you. We have a budget. Um, a yearly budget, um, a couple of grand, where we allocate to each person that they can spend on any sorts of learning they want. Uh, so yeah, and as for the occasions, uh, we don't do it quarterly. We try to do it by release, but we're also very free to say any any small release or anything. If there's a reason to celebrate, let's just celebrate and do it. Um, and also for recognition, uh, we have a team-wide system. Um, originally started with this uh, plugin for Slack called uh, Taco Time, 
where you guys know Sakyo Time, some people in Sakyo Time. Uh, so, you know, when someone does something, you can uh, give them a taco and then it, it keeps count of them. And we made our own internal score. When you get up to 500 tacos, you can get a free pair of RM Williams and stuff like that. Uh, so we had that going for a couple of years. Um, then we uh, recently we've moved to a new one called Evergreen. So Evergreen's a similar idea, but now when you are giving them recognition, what you're doing is you're collecting uh, trees. So the seeds to plant. So as every time you give recognition to someone, uh, you're giving them basically a seed that they can plant and that's someone in the real world planting that tree. And then it's going to give you the stats on, you know, how, how much, how many trees you've planted, how much carbon dioxide it's uh, absorbed and so on. So that's, you know, something a bit more in line with uh, where we're heading at the company as well. And it also feels like um, it's it's making more of a difference as well. And people like sure there's a pleasure getting something for yourself, but there's a you can tap into that emotional state of I'm actually helping something much bigger than myself, uh, which is very important. Um, so yeah, that's a really important thing that we're uh, that we moved to recently, which has been uh, quite good. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can fully understand you having the trees planted and actually feeling like your work is contributing to a bigger cause and having that. And how, how has the team responded to that? Very positive. They did a survey early on saying, uh, you, uh, you guys happy with this compared to taco time? And yeah, everyone just wanted the tree one. Um, so as opposed to getting your, your own little personal um, bits after you know a while of gathering these tacos. So yeah, no, it, went, uh, it was very supportive. Perfect. I do love the taco time there. I, I've actually not heard that, so I'm definitely going to try and introduce it to our company, but I will also put the evergreen up there just so we can all feel good as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. All right, Jacob, did you want to comment on that? Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, we, we found, we did the taco as well, um, kind, of, kind of last year. And what we found that was really good for, because like the rewards are usually, I mean, what you find with the rewards is they're very, I guess, leadership driven in the sense that that's that's the down you know down pass reward uh and the tacos were great to get that cross team like high five essentially um and what we found here was as part of a hackathon project we actually built our own so so the tacos we had a leaderboard and then at the end of the month whoever got the most tacos or the top three people got a taco voucher so they could go and spend it at, at you know mad mex or, or wherever it is uh and then as part of the hackathon project uh we we run hackathons Every, every couple of months. Um, we actually rebuilt it internally. Um, so, so that kind of boosted morale even further. So we have this system internally now called uh, Onions, where it's basically, uh, it's a very similar thing, which it's an avocado, it's kind of the, the symbol, not a taco. And the reward system for that is at the end of the month, you get a, you know avocado on toast instead. And everybody kind of loves that. And they've, they've definitely, yeah, it's huge boost in morale. Definitely loving the consistency with the food as well. It's definitely motivating me, to be honest. <laughs> and Yang, what was your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, yeah, funny, uh, it's exactly the same story as Jacob. They started with the with the taco, um, then rewrote the plugin. Um, we had like a quite quite um, a period of the donut, like to give away a donut, and uh, you'll get your donut time um, like once. Well, I think it was once a month. Um, and now, like we we moved, uh, we moved towards like what we call like company driven, but something called in. So a bit more, you get a, a poker chip, 
um, and then um, and then the reward is more like you get a, a voucher or um, or a voucher from I don't know whatever Amazon. Um, it, it, it works quite well, but really like the really like the evergreen concept. Though I think it is a bit, a bit more deep in terms of uh, you know, in terms of output. So um, we'll look back on this one with the uh, with the with the company. Yeah, definitely. And what what was your thoughts, Vinny, on the the, the section? It was just really the tackles. It seems to be quite popular because that's what we're using. But uh, for obvious reasons, we get uh, a Prezi gift card at the end of it. So uh, with a value, which is pretty cool because you can swap it for any kind of card. So you're not not forced to eat Mexican food. But um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, no, that's but it, it works really well, and we have it on the TV screen, so you can see all the the recognition coming through, and it, it's 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 just a nice thing. And it's you know. And people use it, you know, the, the amount of yeah, things coming through. And now we're global. You can see it just going 24 hours a day. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's almost like rather than getting the small rewards all the time, it's almost like adding them up. So you kind of have that big reward at the end and you can see everyone kind of striving for it. Yeah. Um, Wow, that's very awesome. So I guess sort of going on to the final topic now, which was introduced by Vinny. So looking, at, I guess, a bit more at the wider business, um, what leadership and or organizational support do you need to create a high performance environment? Um, Vinny, do you, what's your take on this? Look, I think often when we have these conversations about high performance teams, we think it very isolated within engineering, but we, we don't work in a bubble. You know, we work within organizations, we work with different areas of the business. You know, uh, you know, high-performer teams are made of, of 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 engineers, and you can't get the funding, you can't get the engineers. Or if you're in product teams, you need that support from from the product and design and other stakeholders. So it's really like you know, I think often when I hear the discussions like this, we never get into actually what are the what are the I guess the blockers and what are the actual um, things that can help us succeed within the organization, it's, I guess it's other people's experience of that as well. Yeah, very interesting one, actually. Jacob, do you want to comment on that? Sure. Um, yeah, here we have a, basically our global structure, let's call it, is most of our customers are in America um, and most of our support um, kind of, our support department lives in America and our sales department and things like that. And, and what we've found is absolutely what you said, Vinny, like it's much beyond you know, product and engineering are just one component of it, right? And and what we've really tried to start focusing on is when we release something to production, obviously that has quite a significant impact on support, right? Like if something's changed or if something's broken, you know, touch wood, that doesn't happen. But, but if that happens, we really have to try and minimize that. Uh, so we've put in lots of new processes, I guess, in the last six months to essentially tune our entire biz organization towards um, faster moving or higher performance team. And what does this mean? Um, we changed our kind of structure, our team structure uh, to be very, very cross functional. So we have representatives from you know, marketing, sales, support, engineering, product, all on one, one group or working together all the time. And we find that just really kind of speeds up um, delivery or, you know, lowers those types of, of, of risks in production. And uh, we've done numerous kind of technical changes and I guess edu education, bringing people along the journey of, of, of what it really means from a, from a technology perspective and from a, from a release frequency or launch strategy perspective, how, how to do it really well. And, and yeah, we found it's, it's definitely 
made a massive difference here in the last six months on, on products that we're working on. Perfect. So kind of Tom, almost trying to bring every unit of the business to have that kind of say in exactly. and actually yeah, speak about their background. Awesome. Yeah, I can see how that definitely be effective, especially in such a, a big team, <laughs> a big industry. Um, Kenny, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, likewise, um, we, we've gone um, with cross-functional uh, cross, uh, teams as well, uh, getting so you get that full experience and people get buy-in as well uh, with with the whole project. Um, there's there's less surprises. I think one thing to point out is the important relationship um, between the head of engineering and the CTO and the the important role that the CTO has in the company and that the engineers can work best when they're not like hammered by a, a million complaints and a million different directions and the CTOs can be that shield about um, you know engineering just do what you're doing you have your plan you're doing you're doing it right if there's stuff to adjust in the plan then we'll we'll work it out but you don't have to get bombarded by the whole company or people going why is this slow why is this slow? you know the that's the important role of the, C the CTO also talks externally but internally that's like a very important thing that the CTO has to do yeah, definitely. I can imagine. And I guess, the, uh, especially with the CTO aspect, has there ever been an example where it's been quite difficult with the cross-functional teams? So where maybe certain teams or certain backgrounds are kind of having a different opinion or perspective on the same one? And if that kind of comes about, how do you handle that in those cross-functional teams? I think it's still fair to have a whole lot of discussion in these cross-functional teams. I think that's um, that's like a slightly separate thing, and that's the whole purpose of these cross-functional teams is to get input from everyone and to get a discussion and census. Um, the shielding is more about like you know large-scale um, changes of direction or um, just bringing up uh, random things that are you know way down the roadmap and goes oh good can we just do this now or you know so you know we can keep on running around in circles um chasing the future roadmap uh, okay that makes sense and Vinny, did you want to say something about that yeah look um it was a really good point thing you made about the cto like i work with a great cto here at prezi and you know he's massively supportive and you know he does a lot of that you know um interference and really helps you know to kind of keep things but also setting that strategy but I think also what I'm really lucky here is the chief product officer as well, uh, the CTO and him are both very aligned. Uh, and that's that's a, a massive difference. I've worked in organizations where product and engineering have been kind of, it's more, it's not working together, it's a bit more product versus engineering. And, and that's when it is tough to have really strong engineering teams when when you have that sort of conflict and, and that align without that alignment so it's uh, it's it's so important that everyone is on the same page when we're trying to deliver especially yes yeah, so to have that like cohesive kind of you know unit together everyone knows where we're trying to head at the same time sort of perspective um jacob what was your comments on that uh, i was just going to say on the um the shielding perspective, we don't have a CTO here. Um, I guess like we have we have the, te the technical leads, but no no dedicated CTO. But what we found was um, the main cause, or the main I guess distraction was was all those kind of requests that were coming exactly as you said, Kenny. Um, so we had an organisational change, quite a drastic one, I would say, um, in the last six months, whereby we dedicate time 
every quarter. So instead of say trickling through, you know, low priority bugs or low value, let's call it feature requests, uh, we we instead of trickling those through and making everybody less focused across the whole across the whole period, we now have a dedicated two week time, which we call popcorn sprint because popcorn's kind of small and easy to eat. Um, where the team as its totality kind of matrix organization. So everyone returns home and really just focuses in on that, uh, just doing like those type of little popcorn features at once. And we found that has been huge, like to, to improve the team morale, team frequency, um, you know, really get things kind of moving a lot faster and, and we'll continue to do that, I guess, from, from now on too. Yeah, make it a bit more bite-sized, the challenges and focus. Um, and you know, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, I think I think the guys uh, raised like some two really good points. I, um, I think the, the the challenge we face mainly, and I think Vinny referred to, is like as you scale up, um, obviously the like departments and teams kind of lose lose you know the 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 vision across the whole business because there's more and more to do and less and less and less um, cross department um, you know share, sharing and stuff and. What we realized there, we realized our um, hiring is ch changing quite a bit to get more and more uh, PMs and technical PMs to, you know, to bridge knowledge across the across the departments, um, which works works a lot. And and I think the 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 other part we try to put is have other department products like all the PMs and uh, and ops and even design. Have, quite a, a little bit of knowledge of the engineering side and and the other way around because it makes the the understanding of each other much easier where you know what the the challenges are um and then in terms of shielding up like we're really lucky we have a, like a, a c um a c, a c level people really really um good across the whole business so c uh cto c uh, co and co are are really they know their tech, they know the business, they know the product. So um, there's no, if I put it this way, there's no silly request from one to the other in in a way. Like they they know what are the what are the priorities, what are the OKRs, and uh, what are we working towards. So um, again, agree. Like I, I think the, I, I think the board, the C level are are really really important in, in decision making and how you how you maintain the process and then you ensure that don't create a rift. Across the, um, across the departments and drop performance uh, in the same time, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And actually, one question I did want to kind of pose from what you guys have said is in regards to the CTO. So obviously, they pay a really big part in being that shield. But what happens if you don't have that shield? Like, how are you, like Jacob kind of alluded to some of the tactics there they use, but are there any other tactics that you guys use to try and counter that if you don't have that shield option? Uh, I guess. One thing is a uh, constant communication with product and to redirect a whole lot of um, the questions about roadmap <laughs> to them. Uh, so, you know, like the, the weekly calls and, you know, just making sure everyone's on the same base, uh, even if the what's planned out for the quarter is already planned out and everyone's going ahead with it, there's always stuff to talk about. So just keeping that regular uh, contact going with product is really important. Yeah, definitely. And Jacob, what, what was your thoughts on this as well? Yeah, so so here we, the regular contact with product is like each of our teams has a dedicated kind of PO who maintains that relationship and, and is that, I guess, is that shield. Um, and I guess the OKR quarterly goals really make it 
easy, let's say, for for those top, for the PO kind of personalities to say to say no to things if they don't align with kind of the vision that's already set out. Of course, you know, it's going to change a little bit, but but yeah, it's that they keep a really close contact with product, and then they keep a really close contact with the wider org, and really engineering doesn't have to get involved unless they they need to be. Perfect. Well, there's some really good insights there, actually. But I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there for now. But I just want to say a really big thank you to Kenny, Yon, Jacob and Vinny for joining me on this podcast and providing some really interesting insights and tactics and experiences on you know, how to build and maintain high performing cultures. Um, I also want to thank everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on the next installment of the Evolution Exchange. Thanks, guys.